You're about to hear a podcast recorded before our rebrand, so you might hear us mention our previous brand name, We Are Radical, or our original podcast name, The Radicalist. We're still the same show with the same hosts on the same mission. And if you'd like to find out how we got here, you'll find our journey on the stories page of obuinvest.com. Hello and welcome to the Radicalist podcast, where we have frank conversations with fierce women founders. This is the podcast about not settling, full of honest conversations with women who have wanted to build their own businesses and did. If you're making the tough but incredible decision to start up, sustain or scale your own business, we've got you. Because we're a podcast by, for and about women who do exactly that. Women looking that leap in the eye, women taking their first steps as founders, women with stories about the journeys they've been on, the hacks that have helped and everything they've seen along the way. Women like us, women like you. We're Sarah King and Claire Dunn and we're the founders of We Are Radical and this is The Radicalist Podcast. This week's guest is Egbe Manton, the founder of Manton Legal, a business on a mission to disrupt the legal space and bring it into the 21st century. She works with freelancers, founders and executives, simplifying the law to empower them and give them the tools to spend more time growing their businesses. She's such an inspiring guest. Her passion for helping small businesses to understand the law is clear to hear. In this episode, she talks about how she spotted a gap in the market, how she's balanced a day job and creating her own startup, and how she loves being a rebel and a disruptor in her mission to change the way law practices work. Egbe, it's incredible to have you along to the Radicalist podcast. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's always a joy. We've been working alongside you for seven or eight months now. And one of the things that continues to surprise and delight us is that you started your business during a pandemic. So not only were you working full time and have a young family, you thought, hey, do you know what's a great idea? (laughs) I'm going to start a business too. We would love to get into your head and share with our listeners kind of what was going on for you at that time. What were you thinking about? What's important to you? It's kind of why now, I guess. Oh, you said it. I was like, what a fool. <laughs> Why did I do what, that? What an idiot. Um, no, I, don't, I, I would be lying if I said it was all structured and lovely and I had this plan and it came to fruition and it was a beautiful thing. But it wasn't. It was messy, as you guys probably know. But I, I realised that there was a gap there, which was just my main pull, I think. And it wasn't a concerted effort. It wasn't me saying, I must do this and I must, you know, it was just a a feeling that I knew that I had to do something about this gap Mm. in the market for entrepreneurs and small business owners. Mm. And how did you become aware of that gap? Was it something that you kind of thought, oh, look at what's happening over there? Or were people coming to you? Like, how did that gap present itself to you? It was more people coming to me, if I'm honest. And I think that's the reason why it was all kind of organic at the beginning. My day job, you know, it takes a lot of my time. And the thought of doing more law work, outside work was like, no, I'm not (laughs) doing it. But then loads of people were getting hit by the pandemic and people weren't paying their bills. Clients weren't paying 
making payments to their clients. And so people are coming to me saying, what can I do in that situation? Or, you know, I've just been dropped by my workplace or I'm on furlough or whatever it might be. And they would just say, look, I just need just someone to talk to about this. I just need to know what my legal rights are. And they just weren't getting those solutions from the conventional sources. So part of me was like, right, I need to do something about this. One of the things that we've always been really aware of with you and I guess to take people back, you spotted this gap, you started working with small business owners, but you very quickly started to gather, what am I noticing? What am I observing? And therefore, what does that mean in terms of my offer or my proposition out to the market? And we talk about that as our test, learn, repeat mantra. So don't worry about perfecting it. Just get something out there, see what you learn, and then go again and evolve your proposition quickly as you go. You've been really adept at doing that. And what we know is that that can take some courage because you've got to get past that sense of I've got to perfect it. So where does that courage or drive come from for you? What is it that meant you were able to test, learn, repeat so quickly? <laughs> and, it, and it's sorry. I'm, just, I'm like, you make it sound like I know what I'm doing. <laughs> no clue. Um, no, I think, again, it's a feeling for me. So it's just my attitude to life, I think. I think I've learned from a very early age that life isn't going to be perfect and the things that you put out won't always be perfect. Even, you know, from a legal standpoint, there's always tweaks and redrafts to contracts for a reason because you're not just going to do one draft and it's going to be amazing. So I've learned that you're going to need to change things and tweak things depending on the circumstances. And it's the same with business. Like My viewpoint is that life is short and rather than spending time trying to perfect something and make it look beautiful, is it actually serving a purpose for your clients? And if it's not, it needs to be tweaked because something's not working there. So I tend not to bring in a sense of, not ego, but a sense of, oh, this is the way it should be and I've got to master it in this way because I'm always learning just like everybody else. So that just requires me changing things, adding things, taking bits away. And even last week, I was on the phone to somebody actually from the community and I was saying, I'm just going to tweak this bit. This bit needs added extra oomph, so I'm going to change this bit. I'm constantly doing that because my clients are constantly changing, their needs are changing, and I want to make sure that my customers get the best from me that they deserve. But that approach and having learned that skill and it's your natural personality type anyway, lends itself then so well to entrepreneurship, but not just entrepreneurship in the way that you're building your business and being very entrepreneurial and dynamic in the way that you're building your business, but also because of the people you're serving, you're in their mindset as well. You understand already what their challenges are, are or what they're going to be worried about or how they're going to have to adapt and change so you can have those conversations that really land because they're not having to explain to a gray dull big corporate law firm but these are my challenges and what happens if this needs to change in six months time how do I future proof myself because you're already there you already know that I tend to have quite short conversations with clients because I get it like we're all facing the same struggles Sometimes what I love about that relationship is that I learn so much from them mm. because some of them are already further, maybe two, three, four, five years ahead of where I am now. And yes, I'm giving them legal guidance, but also they're giving me great like business tips too because they've already been there and done it and had those challenges. So for me, it also helps to educate me as well. So it's a, like a two-way process for me. Yeah, I love what you're saying there around 
I can be an expert in my field and therefore build a business in in this area. I don't have to be an expert as a business owner to start. I can learn that as I go. So often we'll talk to women who are at the stage of considering whether to start a business and they'll say to us, well, I've never done it before, so I don't know if I'll be able to make it a success or or kind of almost I'm starting from ground zero. And our response is, no, you bring all of your life experience, all of your career experience, and that's not ground zero. Actually, the things you need to do are to, yes, learn how to be an entrepreneur and learn certain things about running a business, but you can start without having that knowledge, can't you? Like, that's what you've done. (laughs) I'm a prime example of that. No knowledge whatsoever. (laughs) No, genuinely a prime example. That's why I think sometimes I I always think, why do we sometimes get so stuck in, oh, I don't have these particular skills, or I should have this before I get started. And I think it's possible to learn those things as you go. People also get stuck on the concept of success. Like, I'm not going to do that particular business idea because will it be a success? But what does that mean? Does that mean financially it gets you to a point where you're pushing your passion more so than your day job for example or is it is success does that mean to you that you've just you've helped somebody change their lives in a certain way is that success it's not always a financial thing so if we look at success in the bigger picture you running your idea and making a success of it should be is something that's not always financial is what I'm saying right and so for you let's pause on that for a moment because what does success look like for you? Because you're a disruptor law firm in the startup and scale-up space, but also you're disrupting the law sector in terms of the greater diversity you want to see when it comes to talent. So when you think about success for your business, what are the different dimensions of that for you? So we're a legal consultancy, so we're different anyway. We're not a law firm, so we're very different anyway. So, I mean... We're a bit of a rebel is the best way to describe it. Yes. And, <laughs> I love um, that. <laughs> no, we really are. And I think that frees me because it allows me to hire people or push or try and break down the legal sector in the way that I think that should have happened like 15, 20 years ago. That's happened in other industries. That might be the look and feel of the people that we bring on to our team, or that might be the clients that we work with. But for me, it's trying to reflect society within the legal sector, right? And I think at the moment, it doesn't do that. And so when I'm hiring, for example, I'm always looking for individuals that maybe have little to no legal experience. For some people, they're like, why would you do that? But it's because they don't come in with any preconceptions, right? They come in just wanting to learn and understand about law and being keen to and for me, that's an exciting prospect. Mm. Yeah, it really is. Mm. Yeah. And why does that matter to you? Because I'm not a conventional lawyer, right? So when I wanted to go into the legal field, it was, I mean, it was a hot mess. <laughs> it was just, oh, trying to get a training contract was really hard. Trying to qualify as a solicitor was really hard. I didn't know anybody in the industry. I was basically the prime example of somebody who on paper shouldn't make it at all in terms of of being a lawyer, let alone being a lawyer at a large firm. If you looked at me on paper, you'd say, nah, I'm all right, thanks. And then being able to overcome those hurdles and get to that global law firm and to work with the clients that I do, for me, is just the most amazing experience. So I want to be able to share that with other people and say, it's not a privilege, it's a right for you to be able to do that. You should be able to do that. Why can't you? So thinking back to those, that situation of on paper 
you shouldn't have made it, like it shouldn't have been the path for you. And yet somehow you navigated your way through. What was it that was the fuel for that? Because that takes an incredible amount of grit and tenacity and focus and energy to go, do you know what, I'm just going to keep persevering. They're skills that we see all entrepreneurs need as well, because you cannot build a business. There is no straight line from A to B in entrepreneurship. Mm. So what was the fuel, though, that kind of went, you know what, I'm going to figure this out and it is hard, but I'm going to keep going? I think it's a mix of not stubbornness, but I, I was raised to know that there is no limitation for me, right? So if you want to be an astronaut or you want to be a lawyer or you want to be a piano teacher, you can do whatever you want to do. So I already had that instilled in me quite young, so when I was met with challenges, I was like, right, okay, well, that's a challenge, but how do we get past that? I'm a very outcomes-driven yeah. individual. Yeah. But I think for me also, it's just a feeling. It's like a calling. Like I, at some point I was going to get there. I just didn't know how. Like I remember my parents coming to me after like five years after law school and I was like still circling the drains, looking for a job, trying to get into that training contract mode. It was the year that my dad said to me, okay, Egbe, do you think maybe you should do something else. And I was like, no, <laughs> no, I will make no. it. And that year, funny enough, I got like some six month temporary contract in Oxford. And from there, I worked my way up to become a trainee. But it, I don't know, it was a calling. For me, it was just a calling. Mm-hmm. It was, yeah. And there's something in there, isn't mm-hmm. there, about placing a bet on yourself mm-hmm. and, and listening to what your gut and your intuition is saying to you. And believing in yourself even when the indicators might suggest otherwise it's like no you know what I'm gonna find a path through this Mm. how do you feel because two parts to this question the path that you have created for yourself and the path that you are on you have this opportunity to become a real role model as a black woman entrepreneur in the legal sector who is disrupting the legal sector for good does that feel like a pressure for you or is that something that you that excites you and you want to step into that role? I've got one leg in and one leg out, right? So part of me says, I am a black female, ta-da! <laughs> um, yes, I am a lawyer. Yes, that's true. Part of me is like, it shouldn't matter. It shouldn't even be a thing. You know, I shouldn't even need to be a role model. It's, yes. my, it's, it's my gut feeling, like, why do I need to even talk about this? But then the other half of me is like, let's be realistic. There's not many people like you out there that's doing this, but I still can't bring myself to use those words of role model because yeah. it's, I'm, I'm in no way this perfect individual. I'm not at all. I'm just somebody who was sick of the way that things have been, wants to make that change. There's going to be other people like me doing the same thing. It's just so happens that I have managed to get a bit of momentum behind it. That's mm. all it is. Mm. But I'm hopeful for the day where it won't be, it won't even matter. Yeah, yeah. Right. So Egbe, it's been like hearing about measures of success have been incredible. Calling yourself a rebel and a disruptor, by the way, I think I absolutely claim that. That's totally who you are. (laughs) When you then think about your business and you think ahead to, and I know we've had several conversations before about what does that look like for you in three years, five years, 10 years time? What is the think big version of your business? Oh, do you know what, that's oh, it's a fluid picture. It's a very fluid picture. The most amazing thing would be if there were several branches of the consultancy, like nationwide and whatever, 
or in some sort of app where you could just like have a lawyer when you need one or a legal consultant when you need one. That would be amazing. I just like to, people to have, be able to have some sort of guidance in their pocket. Whenever they need it, they just bring it out. And it's like Netflix, you just bring it out and it's, you're ready. you can just have it on demand when you need it. That's the vision. But there are a lot of steps to get to that vision, mm. I think. A so it's kind of, of it's all around accessibility, isn't it? Yeah. And, yeah, and, sure. and making law inclusive, both in terms of, because we've been there ourselves. And, you you know, even when we went through our investment round, we were like, well, where do we go for legal input mm. for this? Mm. Bearing in mind we're a startup business. So we, right. we haven't got thousands and thousands of pounds to spend on, on a lawyer. But we're going through an investment round and therefore we do need good legal counsel. And I think that's what's exciting about what you're doing, particularly as we see a growth in the number of women-founded businesses, it's like, well, actually, if you can put that know-how in the hands of those entrepreneurs, Mm. you not only fuel their business, but actually you start to disrupt what the landscape looks like in terms of entrepreneurship, because suddenly entrepreneurs are not thinking, well, I can't do that because I don't know a lawyer or I haven't got the fees for a lawyer. It's like, well, no, I can because I could go and talk to Egbe and her business and that knowledge will help me to grow. Right. No, fully agree. I think also it's an education piece. So when I'm having a conversation with some entrepreneurs, they're kind of like, oh, well, I kind of just try to do it myself. And I was like, "Mm, this is definitely not the time to experiment, guys. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, that accessibility, I think, is key because people won't they won't even consider a consultant or a a lawyer if they already have those preconceptions of it's going to be too expensive and it's not going to work for me. Or they're going to say stuff to me. They're going to be like, what are they on about? So they'll just forget about it. They won't even think about it. They'll just try and do it themselves. It's just trying to get them to understand there are options for you out there you have to look for them as opposed to just going to the high street and going to see your local solicitor, for example. Yes. There's something as well, and because we've worked with you in the past and we've worked with larger national law firms, there's something around pace that's a real differentiator, I think. And so not only is it accessible and affordable because you get it and you understand what startups and scale-up businesses require, But there's also a, and I might need to turn this around, my shareholders agreement in a couple of weeks. Is that doable? And there's this, yeah, I get it, because I know how this world works. And I think you bring together this really powerful combination of, I know how the corporate world and the corporate industry works, and I know how entrepreneurs think, Mm -hmm. and I can crash those two things together. And all of a sudden, these entrepreneurs are benefiting from all of that past experience and I can build a business that is disruptive that is rebellious that is driven to create change in the world that's a really heady mix of like entrepreneurial business magic you've got going on there mm-hmm. oh that's <laughs> you say it because <laughs> it can be a struggle sometimes doing this because a lot of people like the way that law is at the moment you know the firms love the way that law is and it's almost a case of me trying to make law slightly more accessible to entrepreneurs. But that doesn't always go down well because people, the main focus of people's jobs at the moment is I'm a lawyer and I will, you know, I have this role of, you know, do your contracts. If we're giving that accessibility to other people, it's kind of like, do we still need the old traditional law firm? Oh, it's controversial. Oh, uh, it is. Do we? I mean, I, I don't know. I think there's the blend is having a bit of a blend of both, isn't it, really? I don't think it has to be one or the other, but I think it's time for the 
legal sector to definitely change. Yeah. I think what you've been able to tap into really, really well is, but what do startup entrepreneurs need? What do startup women entrepreneurs need? And let's deliver something that meets that need. And that's brilliant for them. It's great for the legal sector. These words can get thrown around, but it is trailblazing Mm. and it is disruptive. Like, let's get into this a bit because you are a corporate lawyer. You do have a day job. You have a young family. You've got a successful, growing startup business. How do you manage that? Like, if someone's listening to this thinking, you know what, I work a part-time or a full-time job, but I've got this business idea is it insane for me to start this idea whilst I'm still working? What would you say to them? No, of course not. (laughs) No, of course it's not. No, of course not. I think it's just a case of you have to be really strict with yourself. So when I'm in my day job, then I'm not even thinking about consultancy work. It's just not relevant. Not that it's not relevant, but it has its box, right? And I think if you're able to you know a portion at that time so in evenings or weekends for example that is your love or your passion or your side hustle your business for example and then during the week then you commit to your day job then that totally works I think where it doesn't work is when you're trying to mix everything together and things are coming at you from different directions and you're like ah so I've had to be really strict over the last year in when I can do things and when I can't do things and I've been lucky in that I at the beginning of the business I had a VA so if I was at work during my day job my VA would be taking the inquiries and they will call you at this particular time and managing those expectations while I was at work we're quite lucky that now VAs are very accessible you know they charge by the hour so you can make it work for you but then as the obviously the consultant got larger I was able to take on consultant and a paralegal and so on and so forth so it was a lot easier but in the beginning just being able to have that resource of having an administrator or VA allowed me to have that distinction between the two sides right okay so there's something in there around creating boundaries and kind of saying this is when I'm in day job and this is when I'm working on my business but also making a decision early on that you know what to make this work I'm going to need to build capacity in my team and what's the flexible way that I can do that so that I'm still delivering a great experience for my customers and I'm not having to like switch hats when I'm doing the day job. Mm. Right. It's something I know that we all struggle with. Yeah. <laughs> but um, one thing I knew from the beginning that I would need some help. Yeah. And because I don't want my clients calling me and I, and I can't pick up the phone. It's just not a good client experience. So I knew quite early on that I was going to have to have somebody for a period of time who could answer emails and whatever else while I was doing my day job so that I could be good at my day job but then when I finish my day job I could then switch on and do the business it feels at the start like it's a really big leap to start to make that investment in your business it's like I'm going to take a bet on myself that I can afford to pay this person and I think the way that you've described it is a it's a very practical way to build in capacity I did it flexibly and therefore affordably Mm. because it was based on demand So rather than taking on a full-time or a part-time or set amount of hours, it was based on, well, what's coming in? And then that should fuel and pay for that resource. Did you ever consider that that was a leap? Did that ever feel like a hurdle for you? Is that was just a very straightforward, if I'm going to do this, this is the only way this is going to happen? Yeah, 
it, to be honest. And I know it's not that easy for everybody, but for me, it was a sanity thing. I didn't want that pressure of clients like, oh, Egbe, I need to get hold of you, or where are you now? Or I, I just didn't need that anxiety right. and that pressure. Yeah. So for me, I just felt like I need somebody there. And then that anxiety is just taken away from me because I know that someone's dealing with that for a set amount of time. And if I can't afford that person, I can then switch them off and think of something else. But at that time, I needed I needed, needed somebody mm, just yeah. for my own sanity. Just yeah. for my own sanity. But that's so important, like your mental health and your mindset, which is if you're at the start of growing a business, that takes a lot of mental brain power because you are figuring a lot of stuff out in those really early days. And hopefully what you do is you figure stuff out and you refine as you go. You might change course a little bit, but it's a lot of refining. Whereas at the early stages, it's all new. It's like the mental load is huge. I think it's really important that you've touched on, for my own sanity, I just needed to know I wasn't going to get anxious if I saw a bunch of missed phone calls. I wasn't going to feel like I was going to let anybody down and disappoint anybody. And, And I'm putting myself out there as this new business and yet can't serve them. That's such an important part of entrepreneurship is Mm. what can you do to help yourself so you can get on with the business of growing your business? Yeah, I think there is this thing where we feel like sometimes it's got to be hard. Yeah, Like starting Mm. a business has got to be, if it's not hard, then it's not, you're not doing it properly. Yeah, yeah. You're loving this too much. This is not what it's meant to be like. But I I think I'm, this really sounds really so bad, but I'm always about the easy route. I just want an easy life, right? Yeah. So if I don't want to be anxious, solve the problem. What do I need to do? I need to get somebody in. I don't particularly want to clean my house. What do I do? I get a cleaner, right? And I know for everybody, that's not a realistic thing, but I just think I will pull back on some areas of my life. So maybe less shopping to have a cleaner because that's more important to me. I will pull back on not doing marketing in the business because I need that VA or I need that paralegal to do this major piece of work. I'm just going to have to market and get out there and do it and not pay a marketing expert because my priorities are elsewhere so it's learning what your priorities are and what you're comfortable outsourcing Mm. we run a how to start your startup course and I think sometimes people can think oh I'm going to rock up to this course and I'm going to learn about GDPR or how to register my company with company's house and of course those things are important but what we always start with is exactly what you're describing what are my needs from this business what needs to be true for this business to be a success and I think we have to start with knowing what that is and literally grabbing a big sheet of paper and some colored pens and writing that down because any action or decision we then take in building our business it has to enable us to meet those needs because entrepreneurship is a roller coaster ride like there are weeks when it goes brilliantly and weeks when it's really hard and if you're not building a business that enables you to do a school run if you want to do a school run or to have childcare or to enable you to live your life in the way that you want to live I think that's why we've ended up with so many entrepreneurs who burn out because you end up building a business where you go hang on a minute what is this so we always begin with tip out, write down what needs to be true for you, for this to work well for you. And it sounds as though you had that real clarity Mm -hmm. right from the beginning. Yeah, but I think it's something that you constantly have to go back to it as well, though, right? Because I I had this last year, and you know this, like towards the end of December, where I was just like, 
oh my goodness, I think I might have gone insane because there was just a load of work coming from different areas and then I couldn't meet that demand and then I it was a long lockdown. Yes. <laughs> and it was just it was just a lot that was going on in December. And I just think I had that burnt out phase. But I feel I came back better in January because I looked at the business. I said, what is the main, what are my missions here? Again, remind yourself of what your values are. What are you trying to do here? And by remembering that, I kind of gave me a bit more purpose and kind of refocused me. Yeah. And so how do you, because we wanted to explore this a bit with you in terms of resilience and tenacity. And you've described there that period where you were like, you know what, I'm feeling really burnt out and my energy has kind of left me (laughs) and you've talked about reconnecting with your why reconnecting with your purpose and your values what other things do you do to fuel your resilience when you are having those periods and you're like you know what the day job is busy the kids Mm. need a lot from me and my side Mm. hustle is growing really really quickly like how do Mm. you fuel yourself it's the why that fuels me when I feel like I know this is going to be a full-on phase for the next six months for example the fuel is always, why are you doing it? Why are you doing it? I'm doing it because of this particular reason. Why, why, why? I think that's what fuels me. I do it because I want my family to obviously have a good life. I'm doing it because I want to create change. That is like my being. That's everything that I feel is creating that change. And so that when I'm having a low day or a client's just put the phone down on me or, you know, I've approached somebody to do, I don't know, a partnership and they said, on your bike, I get on with it because I know, okay, they don't get the vision. That's okay move on to somebody who will right and it's again for me it's all about the why otherwise why am I doing it yeah (laughs) I try (laughs) so we like to wrap up these conversations by asking all of our guests on the podcast what three tips they would give to somebody who is starting the business and we'd like to add a little bit on for you which is what tips would you give to somebody who's starting a business who's already got a day job oh first of all only have one hat on at one time that's the first thing I would say create some nice clear boundaries that you stick to on a consistent basis that's number one number two Don't be afraid to outsource just because you're starting off a business. There's nothing wrong with outsourcing if you can see how that is going to help you make more revenue or give you more time or whatever that might look like. And three, I would just say, remember your why, definitely, because there's going to be times where you're like doing something at 11pm and you're like, why am I doing this? (laughs) If you remember your why, right, then it helps you to make, it makes things slightly easier because you can see there's a bigger purpose here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's brilliant. Okay, it is always such a a pleasure and privilege to be able to talk to you and to be working alongside you. And it's Rebels and Trailblazers have got to stick together and we can't wait to see where your business goes and the direction that you're taking it in is disruptive and it is going to change things for the better. And we, we just can't wait to see what that path looks like for you. So thank you so much for joining us today. It's been fun. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you. For more on Egbe, her story and how she's disrupting the legal sector, follow her on social at Manta Legal. In next week's show, we're talking to Claire Ramsey. She'll share her story of how she went from full-time mum to founder of Rock Fool Run. For more know-how and inspiration on how to start, 
sustain and scale your business, hit subscribe now so you don't miss an episode.